Bubblies, and welcome back to My Streaming Bubble. You know, that podcast where I talk about the shows I love with the people I tolerate. I'm still Jen, and I'm still your TV-watching and talking host of this podcast, and this is the first full episode, complete with tolerable, of 2024, and I couldn't be more excited to share today's bubble with the one and only Carla from Bed, Wed, or Behead. And we're here for the Queen of the Hive, the Sovereign of Swarm, Her Majesty Nyjah, as we get a bit obsessive with the limited series, Swarm. Hello, Carla. Welcome. And who's your favorite artist? Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like every time somebody says that from now on, I, I'm going to feel like I have to answer, uh, Nyjah? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like people will be like, I, that's not even a real, I don't care. I'm scared. No. She's, she's a queen she's, she's a, a queen, queen. <laughs> she's a thank you for tolerating me back absolutely you're always welcome and you're very tolerable and i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> well and also thank you for dropping this amazing piece of pop culture into my lap because oh. good lord you're absolutely welcome <laughs> so i needed i didn't know a lot of other people that had had watched it I'd gotten a text from a buddy of mine that was just like, you need to watch Swarm. So I was like, okay. And this was a while ago. Like, I think maybe shortly after the series came out. So I did. And I was like, holy shit. And I was like, and it took a while before I was like, you know what? I want to rewatch it because I just saw that they won a bunch of awards um, or nominated at the very least. And I was like, well-deserved. So that got me thinking about the show again. I was like, I'm gonna need to rewatch it and then need to talk about it. So thank you for <laughs> being the uh, the one to say yes. <laughs> appreciate gladly, it. gladly. <laughs> I love serving up good, juicy, what the hell is going on in this world content with you. Oh God, me too. I'm I'm so excited. So we'll go ahead and just get right into it. So Swarm is a limited TV series um, that is available on Prime, written by Donald Glover, Karen Joseph Adcock, and others, directed by Adama Ibo, Ibra Aki, and others. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's available at the libraries yet. It's not available at mine, but maybe in some of the larger libraries, they may already have it. If they don't, go in and, and request. The librarians will jot it down and as soon as they can get it if they can get it they will so support your local libraries god damn it All that's right. right that's right <laughs> god uh side note the whole like do playgrounds belong in libraries i've been following that since like day one it's been like a whole fucking week of this one woman being like there needs to be indoor play equipment at the library and programs in the evening to fit my schedule because these daytime things don't fit my schedule. Like, oh my God, it's, I really need to stop. <laughs> it, has been, it has been something else. And I'm just like, just leave, like, my God, you people don't know what the fuck you want. You want the libraries to have everything, but then you also don't want libraries to have books or staff or to exist. Fucking pick a lane. Okay, that's all. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> oh, that could be a whole other podcast episode. Like. It just shit. as a parent, not as a person who works for the library system, but just as a parent, I have thoughts, and not all of them are serve my child, because there are other humans too. Exactly. Like there are playgrounds. Take your child 
to a playground if you want them to be at a playground. Exactly, exactly. Or, you know, get more involved in your community and make sure that like rec centers are available because I feel like there's been a decline in rec centers, like community yes. rec centers over the years. I still see plenty of like YMCAs, which are fine, but I also feel like their membership costs are a bit fucking high. Oh my God. Yes. Like I had wanted to put my son in a swim class there and I was like, why is the why? The why and the why now stands mm -hmm. for why. Mm -hmm. Just why are you so expensive? You're the why. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, so that's been a whole thing that I have been just doom scrolling through the last couple of days and getting all worked up about. So thank you for letting me <laughs> put that out for a minute. <laughs> it needed to be said, Jen. Oh my gosh, it really did. So, but all right, enough about that. Cause yeah, that's a podcast for another day. <laughs> so as I said, we are talking about the TV series, uh, Swarm. And so consider this your spoiler warning and brief synopsis. So what IMDB says is a young woman's obsessive obsession with a pop star takes a deadly turn. What I says about this is this is like the most intense documentary I've ever seen. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, it's not done as like a documentary or mockumentary or anything like that, but the events that take place in terms of anything related to the celebrity Nija are all based on Beyonce events, things that happened to Beyonce uh, and her family between her, her husband, her sister, the talks about people choosing her sister over her and all of that so that's what i that's what i went with because that's all i could come up with this morning <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're going to go ahead and start with just our general thoughts on the series and then we'll rant rave and gush about our faves from there so carla what are your general thoughts on this series I am so glad that you asked because I have so many general and specific thoughts, but I will start with my general thoughts because that's what you asked for specifically, <laughs> not the specific, but the general. So my general thoughts are that Donald Glover is a genius, but also incredibly disturbed because who can come up with something like this and not only present it because I thought for sure it was going to be a movie. Like, you know, I, it's one of those things where you're like, Hey, watch this. And I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And then I turn it on and like so much happens in that first episode that I'm convinced that it's going to be just a movie. And then it's like, it stops. And then another episode queues up and I'm like, wait, there's more? <laughs> like how much more disturbing can this get? And boy, does it get more disturbing. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so brilliant that the fact that it is wow levels of unhinged is kind of like, okay, like, I don't feel so bad being <laughs> so invested in this train wreck of a human being because it's just brilliantly written and acted. And holy crap. I mean, if it doesn't win awards up, down, left and right for, in the Emmys, I'm going to be just like, what the hell? And I was kind of surprised because at least in my recollection... I don't think it won any Golden Globes, although I don't know that it was nominated or eligible for. I don't know how the Golden Globe system works. But I, I, I just like Danielle Fishback deserves everything. Yeah, she does. Because, wow, that is a lot. A it, lot. It, and the thing, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, no, go ahead. No, just I'm thinking to myself, like, her ability to switch from 
from unhinged murdery to emotional um emotional compel emotionally compelling acting and then also those moments of comedy <laughs> seamlessly is amazing just I'm just in awe of her. And I was also when she was in um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. She was fantastic in that. But I, I just get goosebumps just thinking about certain moments in Swarm where I was like, oh, my God, how did you do that? And I heard I, I think it was um, either Paris Jackson or Billie Eilish who said that because they're they're not like, you know, actors of the caliber that she is but that that oh it was Billie Eilish who who because but this is by the way Billie Eilish's first acting role mm-hmm. which I was like way to go Billie I'm so proud of mm-hmm. you <laughs> <laughs> where she uh asked Dominique Fishback how do you cry on command and she's like oh like this and she starts doing it and she's like oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what oh like this I feel like a lot of actors are just they give like kind of a longer more thoughtful answer well i deep deep into here and and instead she's just like oh blank tears like what right is it the cat oh my god it is the cat he's upstairs (laughs) (laughs) it took me a second because i was like at first i'm thinking like just snow or something falling off the sides and but I was like, no, that's not it. No, he's got a, a catnip toy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm glad you heard that. Yeah, it, it takes like a fellow cat owner to be like, that's a cat, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yes, her Dominic's performance in this, I mean, from my first watch, just utterly blew me away. And I actually had to keep looking at like actual photos of her because... <laughs> Because Dre freaked me out so much. <laughs> so I was like, no, I need to see this actress as she really is. Because otherwise, I'm going to be so freaked out every time I She's see She's too her. convincing. Too convincing. She's <laughs> so fucking good. That performance is amazing, to say the very, very least. And I just looked up, nominated for Emmy's em- em- for... <laughs> Emmy, so hopefully I don't really follow a lot of the awards stuff, so I don't know when that is, but is it soon? Uh, I feel like yes, but also no. Yeah, I have no idea. So there <laughs> so was that's... just an award show. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. With the and one... then you have the Oscars, I think, in February. So I think the Emmys are sometime between February of this year and then February of next year. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that sounds about right. All right. <laughs> I'm so glad I could help. Thank you for setting that all straight. I get it now. <laughs> oh, but um, but yeah, this was this was an amazing show. Like I said, it just kind of came via text through my buddy Doyle. Watch this. I did. I went in. I didn't know anything about it. Didn't read the synopsis. And even the synopsis is short. All the episode descriptions are just like one sentence, like the one with Billie Eilish. Um, <laughs> Dre makes friends with white girls. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. That's like my favorite one. <laughs> so, yeah, this was because when I first sat down to watch it, the very first time, getting through the episode and not knowing 
what the show was about at all. I'm like, okay, Dre is very unsettling and uncomfortable and this and that. And then her sister Marissa uh, passes away and you're just like, oh no, that's so sad. And then shit starts to escalate from there. Cause at first you're like, oh, she's just an obsessive fan going broke <laughs> for tickets and committing minor credit card fraud and whatnot. But no, no. So it's, it's kind of, I found like each episode to be its own individual, like slow burn for the most part, all leading up to the big slow burn of the uh, series finale. So I typically, I sometimes struggle with slow burns because if the payoff, if the, if the boom isn't big enough at the end, I'm very upset. Yes. The booms were big enough. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some big booms. Those were big, big booms. <laughs> So by the end of episode one, after she kills Khalid, I was like all in. I think at that point I sat up and I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Next episode. And this is one that completely kept me off my phone. I did not fall. I was up until like 1.30 watching it. Wow. The first time, like didn't fall asleep. I was just like so enthralled with it. And so it's i mean yeah the acting the cinematography even like the sound effects and the score because there's those times where you hear like like a screechy sound with yeah um, with dre and then sometimes the the buzzing of the bees now real quick it seemed like i might be wrong here but it seemed like at some point in the season those stopped so it's like in the beginning yeah. they're there to kind of show that maybe she's a little on edge a little like near the the tipping point but i don't know when they stopped and i was like oh no it's happened to me <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good observation because like yeah you're absolutely right they stop and then it switches to a different sound like one of those like high pitch kind of like mm -hmm. but it's like really quick mm -hmm. yeah and it, it's very effective and i think that's just kind of like a um it marks a switch in her mm -hmm. from it being a like a a more thought out process that she's that she's working with yes. to just unhinged madness where it's, mm -hmm. she just doesn't she's no longer in control and and arguably she never is really in control but like she loses she loses the plot mm hmm you know of what she originally wanted so it's mm -hmm. just it's, it's... <laughs> that's that's my description for this whole show how yeah. is the show it was... <laughs> i think that's accurate yeah <laughs> all right what other like okay so what are some of your specific thoughts then okay nice right. specific thoughts here right. we go first of all i was not prepared for the the mixing of the whole um, mental health angle and the fandom obsession angle with the food addiction angle, because it's su such an odd thing. And on, on the one hand, it's like maybe she uses food to cope. I mean, I, th I think it's pretty clear that she uses this to cope. She kind of soothes herself with junk food, like immediately after she kills uh, she kills Khalid. She gorges on this pie, which, by mm -hmm. the way, that pie looked really good. That pie looked really it, good. I was like, mm. it did. But at the same time, since she bashed his head in and she's her hands are all bloody and like, I'm like, Ugh, right, ooh, boy, <laughs> ooh, stop. 
And see me, I was like, ooh, where, where, like, was it baked in house? Like, did they get it somewhere in LA? Like, can I get a pie like that? Maybe I shouldn't binge while, while hungry. Like, maybe that's the lesson for me here. But yeah. But when she kills that one guy, where as he's trying to get away from her and she shows him the tweets and she's like, and he's like, Twitter? You know, like that's what mm-hmm. brought you to my doorstep to kill me is Twitter. And she reads his pantry, which by the way was the dream pantry. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I really want to be specific about. That pantry is the dream. It is the suburban dream pantry where everything is so neatly organized and you have mm-hmm. your alcohol over here and you have your snacks here and your ramen there. I was like, this, this man was living right. Okay. Mm-hmm. This man could have been an example to all humans and no, you had to kill him over Twitter, but mm-hmm. Anyway, so she she clears out all of the, the junk food and then immediately goes and starts sleeping with that um the employee for cachet who mm-hmm. gets locked in that freezer with that massive cake. But she then, you know, quote unquote corrupts him by bringing him back into the junk food fold. So but so uh, on the one hand, like it's really interesting and really a really good narrative element on the other hand i also feel like what are you trying to say about people who consume junk food what are you trying to say about people who are overweight or struggling with health issues like is it a critique of consumption in the capitalist sense or is it a critique of people Hmm. you know um using food to comfort themselves because if it's that then i'm not so on board with it because i think that 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 that's poorly handled in that sense but if it's just um a matter of her finding something to soothe herself then i think it makes as much sense as an alcohol dependency would have been as a drug dependency would have been um so i i think any time that a fit man makes those choices i always question it so like that was one thing that for me i was like i don't know how to feel about it you Mm -hmm. know but that's just my my specific rant about the the whole food thing that and the depriving us of depriving the world of that amazing pantry organization Mm -hmm. just it's (laughs) that's criminal man that's criminal um the other specific thing that i that i was very into is the the fact that it gives us a different interpretation of a black of black women in general in that show you have all kinds mm-hmm. of black women living all kinds of lives in all unique ways um and i think that it's great and also i love that that a black woman is the unequivocal villain there's no oh but poor dre she went through mm-hmm. all this it's like yeah so do a lot of people but not not all of them end up just traveling the, the country killing people mm-hmm. so i i really love that and it, that's one of those things where it's like okay it takes black people behind the the camera to bring that kind of work forward because mm-hmm. i i think that uh, um an ill-meaning black uh, white person would have handled it really poorly and so would have a well-meaning white person mm-hmm. because they just have the they don't have the context um for writing those lives in a more than one or two dimensional way 
No, absolutely. I, I love, you know, you bring up that we see black women in all different kind of facets throughout this movie from uh, Dre to the detective in the crime documentary esque episode. And we meet like even the um, Dre's caseworker, Miss yeah. Kirby. And for some reason, she really stood out to me. And I think it's this idea that a caseworker even though she's like, I don't know what Dre did and why you're here, but I am not going to help you, you know, write her off as like a villain or having done something wrong. She still cared about all of her kids that she helped and, you know, through the system and everything. And I absolutely fucking loved that. I thought that that yes. was a very, it's a very short moment. The actress, uh, what was her name? I wrote it down. Something Alicia Green or uh, Heather Alicia Sims. Her character was Loretta Green. Um, nope, that's the detective. I'm that's sorry. A, yeah. Yep. Sorry, because I used her for my six degrees. But either way, the Miss Kirby was amazing. She's on the screen for a very short amount of time, but she's very much like, no. And I feel like a lot of times when caseworkers are portrayed in shows and movies, it's not always in the best light. It's like, well, right. we did our best for the moment, but then, you know, whatever, they aged out or lost track and just kind of like, yeah, I, whatevs. She was very vehemently like, no, and I'm leaving now. Goodbye. Yes. I love Loved that scene that. so much. Yeah. Uh, and also absolutely. the audacity of, of those presumably white um filmmakers mm -hmm. to chime in when they were specifically asked to take a backseat it's like you can't ever take a backseat can you like there's mm -hmm. no place where you won't put your nose where it doesn't belong mm -hmm. yeah and the look that uh the detective shot them like immediately yeah <laughs> like, you guys were in trouble <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's see bonita ellery was roberta kirby so I just want to make sure I got that name right. But, but yeah, this was, I just, God, where do I go from here now? I don't know. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like there's so much. There is like, there's so much to, to delve into. Um, one of the things that, and, and I love this, uh, this particular kind of thing in any kind of storytelling is the unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. because she uh um dre is a very unreliable narrator whether we're seeing it play out or that that scene where she sits down with erica and tells her what she's been doing supposedly and she's completely embellishing and then outright lying um and erica just sits there kind of like oh my god you poor thing you know mm -hmm. like because i don't think erica believes her really but I, I, at the same time she's like wow you you've really gone off the deep end since marissa died mm -hmm. um that was but, a very uncomfortable scene yes again, brilliantly performed uh yeah. because you know it's all bullshit and she and as dre is telling the lies about how she met Nyjah's mom and this and that like she's starting to believe it herself yeah and then yeah Erica's got this look of like kind of concern and maybe a little bit of fear of just like how off her nut yes. is she and then 
I think what made it the most uncomfortable was at the end of that scene where Dre takes like the drink, feeding mm -hmm. it to Erica as if like, yes, here is my bullshit. I am feeding it to you. You are slurping it down and you are loving it. Like, yeah. my mommy. <laughs> 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 that was very, I, that's definitely even more so than some of the killings. Mm -hmm. That was really, I think that's, I think that's part of the show too, is that it isn't the murder murders that are the most unsettling, but it's these little moments leading up to the, to them. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, when she breaks into Marissa's parents' house mm -hmm. and she walks up to Marissa's mom with the gun drawn and Marissa's mom doesn't really flinch. Like she's like, I, I saw this coming. Like, okay I've been, I've been waiting for you to do this mm -hmm. and that's such a it, it it's so disturbing because on the one hand it's just disturbing because it is like imagine living your life expecting that to happen to you mm -hmm. and then it happening to you and you being so resigned to it where you're like I, there's nothing that i can do about it and also i, I don't i'm not really afraid of you but i'm afraid of like a, a whole lot going on emotionally there Mm -hmm. But then also um, Dre being there is like, I don't know that it's necessarily necessarily a culmination of everything that she dealt with with the Jacksons mm -hmm. and all of it just coming out through her anger at the phone being shut off. But it's the most, I think, humanity that we see in Dre since the first episode. When marissa was still alive mm -hmm. because all of these other things have just been her on her killing spree and she has not anybody that she wants that is pretty pretty much dead like the, there mm -hmm. was no point at which there was hesitation or anything so she absolutely could have just killed marissa's mom right then and there yep and that would have been that and but she doesn't and then she is yeah she's threatened with with a, a gun by marissa's dad at that point and she has to put the gun down but we've seen that she's a very resourceful killer so the fact that she you know she she went there and did very domestic things she pets the dog she does her laundry she has a snack mm -hmm. you know like all of these things shows a level of comfort in that house and as much as things went badly with that family she still kind of kind of sees herself at home there mm -hmm. and that's just really tragic and sad that in a way that's still her family you know like when she discovers that picture of marissa and her parents and her just like folded in back because they had pretty much cut her out of the picture both you know really and in the picture mm -hmm. I think that same resignation that Marissa's mom had is kind of what Dre has too, because she she's like, yeah, they yeah, it makes sense. But at the same time, it's like still sad and disappointing mm -hmm. to really see it play out to where it's like these people would rather pretend that the three years that you spent with them didn't actually happen than to acknowledge your existence. Um and so yeah, like that's from there on things kind of go south with her reliability 
as a narrator. Um, and certainly at the end, it's like the doors have been blown off, blown off the, the house here. Mm-hmm. And even to a point, to a point, because, you know, Donald Glover and stuff, the documentary style episode, episode six, mm-hmm. I wonder if that maybe that's just Dre kind of fantasizing about her life being a documentary, oh. you know, and it, I could be well be wrong. No, as I, I often am like with that. my theories. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I like that though. Yeah, because it, it plays into this idea that she has of herself as being somebody worthy of being seen. Mm-hmm. Which she talks to Marissa about when she's like, you know, um, I, I, I just know that if Nigel met us, she would absolutely take us in under her wing and take us everywhere and she would be there for us. Um so I, I did wonder at one point if like, is this just her imagining herself being so important that somebody would seek her out, mm-hmm. feel some kind of connection with her? Like Detective Green says that she's like, you know, I, I just feel connected with her. I see mm-hmm. her and I look I, and I see myself and I see my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, if maybe Dre uh invents this social worker who is so determined to care for these kids in the system that she defends her and won't hear any ill talk of her you know oh my god so one of the last times we recorded i blew your mind now you are blowing my mind because i didn't really i just thought this was just kind of one of those like here's some context here's a little backstory and we're going to present it as a as a crime documentary whatever but you're right because see for me i think at one at the the point that the perception or the reliability really starts to dip is when she after she bites Nigel. oh my god cuz she's like yeah and it's like one of the only times she ever eats anything healthy <laughs> and she's just fucking going to town on it Mm-hmm. But then the way that's all filmed where it's like the plum, but then there's like a translucent or whatever kind of shot of like her shoulder and then her face or whatever, whatever she bites, all of that, that whole little sequence of her mowing down on the plum and then the biting and everything. I feel like that's when things are starting to shift mm-hmm. uh, per- perception wise, perspective wise. So I didn't, so it, it makes sense that this, crime documentary is just something that she has played out in her head dominic has played out or uh, dre has not dominic (laughs) (laughs) dre has played out in her head because like you said it's so she can feel still feel like important and sought out and it makes sense then with the detective because the detective's name is loretta green and at one point she's even like we have the same last name she could be kin and i always wondered i was like that is quite the coincidence that they both right. have the same last name. But I think that makes sense now with your theory that it's just playing in right. the light or like whatever. <gasps> and again, again, I could be wrong. I am often so wrong with these things. Like my imagination. And I've said this before. I'm like, people should hire me because like, I think that's a brilliant theory. <laughs> I think it is too. And I think the beauty of this show is that it leaves a lot open to interpretation. Like yes. That, and that I no one's that. theory is right or wrong. And I just, I think it just makes it that much more interesting and engaging and everything. So 
I, I'm all, I'm on board with the uh, documentary being in her head because then again, thank yes, you. That kind of explains the the level of care that Miss Kirby has because, like I said, we don't see that usually in entertainment, right? They're usually right. not not, not like a caring like, social worker who yeah, defends the hell out of their kid. So, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh! I love it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm like patting myself on the back now. Like, <laughs> hey, listeners, I am literally patting myself on the back because oh. I got to return the mind blow, and that feels so good. <laughs> I oh my god, I love it. Okay, so let's see. Oh, so we also get like you said, this is Billie Eilish's um acting debut. Yeah, she did so fucking good yes because like i first of all i don't know how why but i i can't spot billy eilish out of a lineup like if you're <laughs> if you put you know five white girls in front of me and you're like one of them is you know acclaimed singer billy eilish i'm gonna be like okay but which one is it like seriously her hair's even... not green i don't know so i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry it's true it's true and it's not just disrespect to billy eilish i just simply I'm not the kind of person who is like obsessive over certain people's features, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that was great for me as a viewer because I'm watching this and I'm just watching this interaction between these two, these two people on the screen. And to me, I thought like I later I was like, okay, I have to look this person up later because she was so good in this scene with the amazing Dominique Fishback. And then afterwards, like after my second viewing of it, <laughs> I'm actually paying attention. And I I, I did the, the x-ray thing on Prime where you can mm -hmm. see who's on the screen. Mm -hmm. And it's like Billy Eilish. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> no, no, she's way. the bad guy talking to the bad guy. <laughs> what? But oh. yeah, my mind was absolutely blown. She did. That's one of my because th that episode where she meets up with Billy and like basically the, the women's wellness center slash cult, <laughs> yeah. um, which, OK, putting <laughs> the women's wellness slash cult or whatever with the episode description makes me laugh so fucking hard. Of course, well, it's a bunch like of white women on a wellness <laughs> retreat. <laughs> because you think of like, you know, the soul cycle thing and the just every weird fitness trend that becomes kind of culty and all, all mm -hmm. the mlms mm -hmm. oh, yeah <laughs> yep but uh this was the first time watching it that whole interaction with uh dre and eva and she's doing the rapid fire kind of therapy or whatever and the snap in the fingers i found that like the first time watching that was probably one of the most intense moments Yes. And especially at that point, it's like, you don't know what Dre's going to do next. Is she just going to snap and kill her right then and there? Or what the... F and then for a second, I'm like... For a second, I was like, maybe she'll be okay. Maybe maybe she just needs like this, you know, to sweat out those toxins or whatever. <laughs> and so I was still a little shocked when she did start killing... <laughs> Numbers. Like, no! And brutally too. Brutally. Like, wow. But here's the thing with Eva in those scenes was that my thought was the audacity of this white woman to confront somebody that she knows is a killer 
and act like she is taming a wild beast Mm -hmm. because how many times has it been said that that the way that um, black people are portrayed and particularly black women who are strong as animalistic Mm -hmm. like there's that, that denial of the humanity of black people and the way that Eva confronts her is especially with the finger snapping I think of like when you're training a dog Mm-hmm. And you have those clickers. Yeah. It made me think of that. Um, so it, it just, to me, it lines up perfectly with the entire episode of these, you know, stereotypical white girls on a retreat who think that they can um, control certain aspects of the world by behaving this way and by doing these things. And now in comes this quote unquote wild black woman that, they, that they're going to tame and so it, it just played out perfectly within the entire episode. The entire theme of the episode, I think, was just white audacity and the returns from it. Mm-hmm. Because Eva was incredibly audacious to stand in front of the car of a known killer, uh-huh. thinking that this woman was not going to absolutely run her over, not just to get to Nija, but to get out of there. Because mm-hmm. she has been, she realizes that she's been trapped, she has been imprisoned by these people so this is one i i felt really sorry for some of the people that drake killed earlier on in the series but i did not have much sympathy for for eva Mm -hmm. and her group because they they were basically keeping her keeping drake prisoner by you know taking away her her means of contact with the outside world Mm -hmm. by lying to her by whatever it is that they did when she lost consciousness for a bit mm-hmm. there and um with gaslighting her lying to her there's so many things that they did to her mm-hmm. where I, I was like you know what honestly you got what was coming <laughs> like I, I i didn't really feel bad yeah. i kind of felt bad for that for that one that she completely bludgeoned um the one who was like on top of the car uh-huh. first of all like she's in a car you're pounding on the car is not going to do anything to her like what were you thinking exactly but then dre stops she goes flying over the car and she which by the way cinematographically <laughs> cinematically i guess is the better word for it beautiful amazing shot of the mm-hmm. windshield wipers as she is like alternately or alternate alt okay she is taking turns (laughs) 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 like the wiper plates come down and she's like hitting and they come just beautiful cinematography Mm -hmm. um yeah this is english with jen and carla welcome to (laughs) your new segment where we teach you english we we learn your english real good so (laughs) (laughs) yes we english fine thank you for coming yeah, um, I uh, I get what I get what you're saying, and yeah, that last uh, when she's killing like yeah, the one girl just oh my god, that one I yeah. get like that was a lot of just that anger and frustration yeah. of mm-hmm. the lost time and being kept from from Nyjah and everything. But the thing I love, one of the things I loved about this episode is we get a couple of answers about Dre, nothing too in depth. But so we get a couple of answers, but we get more questions. Yeah. And I just, I really liked that. I like that we get a little bit, but we don't get everything. Yes. I want to know 
what was the original spilled milk that made grandma cry the red milk that made grandma cry like who was it what happened you know what i mean yeah but at the same time it's like you had said earlier we're not here it's not this show isn't for us to sympathize with dre and so we're not learning about this so terrible childhood we are like oh she had it rough though there's none of that it's like there's okay, no justification well, she, no justification and you just find out that she she just has a violent past yes and you can even see and this is more in the uh docu uh crime doc episode but when they play the uh, old video where she's singing the country oh god singing. oh god so that's cringe so and but i feel like we see some of the delusion uh that dre has in that moment because young dre is still singing she's still trying to do her thing up up on stage everyone is still laughing and and making fun of her and everything and it almost kind of takes a while for it to sink in and then we get that like blank dre stare yeah so it almost makes me wonder now especially with the ending and now with the that the crime doc episode being <laughs> just something made up of tricks what what was she seeing what was young dre seeing in herself on that stage in that right moment? you know what i mean because any other any other teen preteen that was getting harassed and bullied and made fun of that quickly and that much on stage i feel like would not would have gone running off two lines into the song right she was up there for what i felt was a very uncomfortable amount of time i know right <laughs> because the yeah. thing is i i think um particularly because she's so clearly delusional in a clinical sense she um okay so i i think if you're an unpopular person and you're in a school and you want people to like you you think that if you have a hero moment everybody will suddenly change their minds about you and embrace you and you know you'll be the the, the talk of the town in a good way this time so I, I think maybe she saw this as like I know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna take the stage I'm gonna blow their minds they will not see this coming and they're gonna be shocked by how good I am and that, that's mirrored I think in uh, the finale when she she thinks that she's being asked to sing to the people Mm -hmm. you know so that that same delusion of like i'm gonna win everybody over and when she says i love you all like the invitation is we love you too mm -hmm. so to me like that's what it seemed like in the moment and that she was so caught up in her in her illusion and in her fantasy that she wasn't really paying attention to what everybody was actually doing which is not being receptive which is not being you know wowed by her mm -hmm. charisma and stage presence um which is not helped by singing gretchen wilson's redneck woman what were you thinking sweetheart <laughs> what were you thinking there are so many better I, i'm not a country fan but there are so many better country songs that you could have picked but that's that, that's not really the point although it probably didn't help her cause i feel like though it might like the the song choice though is maybe a uh, a choice to try and fit in because they're in yeah, Texas. Yeah, that's true. It's probably about the same time that that song was all over the place. Yeah. But it was still so uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm like, I feel like there's still like a good handful of other songs you could have picked that maybe wouldn't have been so cringy to watch. Yes. <laughs> maybe a better fit. But 
I feel like Dre picked that song because it was popular and that was going to help boost her and her and getting people to love her. Yeah. That's that's the only way, that's the only thing I can think to justify that song. <laughs> I know, right? Because it's like, why? Why redneck woman? God, Please explain. Like, oh, and the cowgirl. Oh, oh my God. I know. It was so hard to watch. <laughs> oh. And the thing too is that you know, Marissa being the person that she was, who genuinely loved Dre and who stood up for her and defended her and, um, you know, raised her up and said, no, you're great. You're wonderful. I love you so much, exactly as you are. She's the only person who really saw and accepted Dre. Mm -hmm. The only person in this entire show, except for the social worker who, as we have now theorized, may or may not be even real. Mm -hmm. But she, in my mind, she was probably super supportive. Mm -hmm. You know, misguided or not, her support may have been. She was probably just very supportive of what Dre wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it's, th that that's a lot to realize in a moment as a kid that you are being laughed at in public for something that you probably worked hard on and thought that you were doing a great job mm -hmm. but yeah. still yeah still yeah so okay so with regards to marissa andre's relationship you know they're they're foster sisters they uh marissa and Dre are living together, even though Dre has been cut out from Marissa's family. So, like, Marissa's family, parents don't know that Marissa's living with, with Dre. They find out after she has, she's passed away and everything. Uh, and in episode one, they're having a moment and everything. And, and Dre says, you know, I love you, Riss. And she just replies with, I know, Dre. Yeah. And it's like, they, they still care about each other but there's still something that i felt like was holding marissa back from saying it back to to dre and maybe that's part of what dre i mean dre was missing was to actually still hear it from marissa as well mm -hmm. but i'm just so curious as to their connection it's like sure marissa could have seen something more in dre but Throughout the series, every single person Dre comes in contact with, the first one of the first things they say is, "You're fucking weird." Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, so I get that Marissa could see past, you know, maybe some of the weird, the, the air quotes, like maybe quirkiness of of Dre, but truly, I'm just again, these are one of those questions where we don't get an answer for. I'm like, what? Why were? How did they become so close? After Dre attacks Marissa's, you know, after the slumber party incident, mm -hmm. Marissa still obviously maintains contact with Dre. It's like, so what was the aftermath of that like for those two? And I'm just, it just, it's like, we find out that shortly after, so Marissa had a baby brother that we find out uh, had passed away at like six days old or something, really, really young. And we find out from Marissa's parents that shortly after that is when they took in took in Dre did the did the foster parent thing. So was it was it like a trauma thing on Marissa's behalf? Like she 
more or less just lost a little brother, a sibling, and now here is someone new that she's latching on to, so to speak. I just, I just don't, I don't get it. Like what, what, what did Marissa say? I have answers. They may be yes. made up answers, but they are answers all the same. Okay. So here is, okay. here are my thoughts on the relationship. Yay. All right. So here we go. So yes, absolutely. Marissa had a huge loss in her life and comes straight. She gloms onto her. And I think it's also in part because she has that innocence in that night naivete where she is so inexperienced with the world. She's like a baby in a sense mm -hmm. to a cool teenager which Marissa seemed to be by all accounts. She was, you know, she was light, she was popular, she was pretty. She hung out with insufferable people who, that's how you know that you're popular is you, mm -hmm. the insufferable <laughs> people want to hang out with you. Um, so she kind of took her, took Dre under her wing and felt responsible for her. That's my take on it. She felt a responsibility to okay. Dre so that when Dre get, gets kicked out and I think Marissa feels some level of, guilt perhaps responsibility for that because it did happen at her birthday party oh sure sure. from which from which um dre was banned mm -hmm. by the that cruelly i think and i think you so know, even up. right like if you're going to if you're concerned about your foster child foster child's behavior at a summer party happening under your own roof for this person who is very close to your foster child don't have the slumber party like that's the most basic thing mm -hmm. um so yeah she's dre and i think it's dre thinks that marissa's being attacked so she does this as a um protective instinct not justifying the stabbing because obviously like right we use our words but but just that's what she does thinking that she's protecting marissa and i think Marissa may have maybe felt some sort of like misplaced gratitude okay. and like maybe that that's part of where the guilt stems from okay. and that's and again that sense of responsibility of feeling like she's the big sister and so she has to take care of her sister so then when Marissa moves out um and Dre who knows what happened to Dre after she was kicked out right like mm -hmm. that's kind of a, a question mark still yep so maybe Marissa sees moving in with Dre as a form of rescuing her and um, assuaging her own guilt. But then it, it's one thing to feel that way as, you know, a, as a kid growing up under your parents' roof where you, they, you still have like those, uh, those, pe those people to mediate your issues and stuff. But when it's you one-on-one -on -one with this person and this person is clearly a little too clingy with you, a little too obsessed with you, um, that can get really scary and draining even mm -hmm. if, if even if it's not necessarily scary it's got to be draining because she she uh drain makes marissa the central focus of everything everything revolves around marissa um so to me i think maybe marissa was just tapped out she was like okay you know what we're at a point where we have to go our, our separate ways and it, it on the one hand also you know she's what she thinks seriously seeing somebody and she's ready for her own space. Um, and uh, clearly she and um, Khalid talk about Dre behind her back mm -hmm. because he starts saying all of these things 
about her that um, Marissa wasn't supposed to have told anybody. She was very upset about that. But maybe he also eventually told Marissa about how Dre was creepily staring at them while they're having sex. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and maybe between that and her irresponsible behavior um, at the job at the mall mm-hmm. and um, getting the the... Well, she didn't get the the booth vandalized, but the, the booth was vandalized because she was off doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe she's like, you know, I, I'm I'm done. Like I I think I've I've put in my time. It's time for you to go and grow up on your own and let mm-hmm. me be on my own. So I um so I, that that's my take on that happening. But then also we have like in there. Marissa clearly had a previous suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. And Dre being Dre being so protective of, Mar- of Marissa feels a responsibility to protect Marissa from everything, including herself. Mm-hmm. And while there may be good intent there, her way of doing it was probably suffocating and probably added to that feeling of suffocation that Marissa felt. Mm-hmm. So that that's my interpretation of why they were so close. And again, I, I do think that Marissa genuinely loved Dre and saw mm. something in her because, you know, um, it's one thing to keep somebody around out of guilt, but she did clearly enjoy spending time with her. Yeah. But at the same time, like, just because you enjoy spending time with somebody doesn't mean that you want them in your space 24-7. So I, I think it's one of those things where she was like, you know what? Let's be besties from our own homes. Right. Which a reasonable person might be like, yeah, okay. It's mm-hmm. I, I it hurts, but maybe you're right and it's time. Where Dre's response is to completely dissociate. And and this is uh, one thing that people theorize is, is that she has dissociative identity disorder. And mm-hmm. that that night when Marissa tells her I'm moving in with my boyfriend, we're gonna be living separately. And um, Dre gets all dressed up and does her makeup. And you notice that Dre's walk changes as she's walking towards the club. Oh, because, yes. Yeah, because her walk, it, when she's walking into the mall when she's late, and then in other scenes when she's just being Dre and she's walking, it's a very awkward, stilted walk. Uh-huh. But in that scene where she's dressed up and has her makeup on and seduces that guy on the dance floor, she has a very sexy, assured walk. It's very different from her Dre walk. So I think this is another personality coming out. Ooh, I liked, I, I do like that. And I think that kind of fits in with the story as well, because she looks so shocked that she woke up in a Culkin's bed. And yes. I forgot how much wiener was in this movie. There's there's wieners, there's penises in it. Yes. I was like, oh, that's right. I was, <laughs> oh my God. Like, let me tell you. I was like, I don't know that I can ever eat strawberries again. Right. <laughs> that was that was not the kind of strawberry bush that I like to see. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, that was I absolutely forgot how much Wiener was in this in this show. Yes. But but she's so surprised at where she's at and who she's yeah. with. And and it does and that actually makes a lot of sense because she doesn't drink. Like how else would you end up someplace where you're surprised? Right. Right. 
And then with being at the cult, that kind of makes sense that she's losing time and doesn't remember confessing or whatever some of these things. Yes. I mean, you know, throughout you like really, I mean, the viewer, as the viewer, you kind of can't help but wonder like, okay, playing the what's her mental illness game and mm -hmm. trying to pinpoint. And I don't know why DID did not, I didn't think of that at any point, but it makes all the fucking sense. Yeah. And, the and then the delusional and why she thinks so high, much higher of herself than she is. Maybe that's mm -hmm. the, uh, we'll call it like the Marissa, air quotes, Marissa-esque personality. Ooh, another yeah, well, mind blown moment. <laughs> yes, two and one. <laughs> but for me, like my takeaway about her, her, um, her confident and sexy side is that it's it's triggered by, um, by Nija, by instances of Nija being because okay, so uh, Marissa informs her like I'm planning on moving out, like I I'm not coming with you to the concert, and I'm planning on moving out. And that's the night that um, Nija drops her Lemonade-esque album, which mm -hmm. is all women empowerment and like, I'm I'm strong and sexy and how dare you overlook all of this, mm -hmm. you know? And that's the night that she goes out. So yeah, I, I think that the, that there was a dissociation, you know, that, that she, there was like a coping thing in there and that the personality that came out of it was triggered by Nija's video. Mm -hmm. But the impetus was definitely Marissa's intent for the future. So I, I there's like all of this together. And then there are other times, and I can't remember exactly right now, when Nija, oh, the, the plum eating thing, mm -hmm. where she sees Nija and she's like taken by her and her beauty and her everythingness. And she walks up to her and she thinks that she's grabbing this plum and she comes to and somebody's like, did you just bite Nija? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's that moment of dissociation where she thinks that she's doing this one thing or, mm -hmm. you know, her mind is completely somewhere else, but her body is doing things that nobody should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and then the like the, the murdery times, particularly the first one, you hear like the, the B sound mm -hmm. before it happens. So she kind of is, you know, she's grieving and this guy's weirdly coming on to her and he goes to make her some tea, but she's like all confused. And then she she's very determined and going and killing him like very violently. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think that's another facet of her personality, you know, like, um, that dissociation and then coming to immediately after the murder and mm -hmm. needing to soothe herself with something so yep. it's the pie oh i like it see again the show is so open-ended that that yes. really works as like a, a kind of explanation and then i also wondered too because when she's because she gets a job as a dancer and and this is like episode two and right off the bat i'm like how'd she get a job as a dancer? She's fucking weird. Right. Like, she's got a great body and everything, but she didn't, Dre doesn't know how to use that, right? Exactly. She doesn't know how to use it. And she's up there doing weird, 
I love the part where she's like on the floor and like not really even even doing anything just not even sexily humping the floor just like bumping the floor more like you know like if you have your hands full and one of your side itches and you just kind of want to rub it against something so she's rubbing it against the floor and then she smacks her butt and it's like that Uh is the unsexiest thing I've ever seen and the way then, that she's got like the big platform shoes and the way she's even like clomping around on stage, very yes. not graceful. Oh my Homework God, it was hilarious. Could use a lot more work. But then she comes, you know, the the other dancers like you need to, you are here to make money, yada, yada. And then she comes out and she's got like the long ponytail, the really strappy yes. outfit and everything. And she's just killing it on the stage. And I'm right. like- and I have a note that's like, okay, so she knows when to turn it on when she has right. to, which is a very like sociopathic, psychopathic thing. Yes. But the DID thing makes it make more sense. Because it's and, like, how does she know to turn it on? Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't. And here's the thing. That sexy super dance that she does that gets her invited to mm-hmm. this weird college frat boy party more wieners <laughs> more wieners than we need by the way <laughs> the thing that triggers that is her killing um Haley and her boyfriend that's right so she does that immediately after she she does okay so so Haley kind of forces her way into Dre's life mm-hmm. and she decides that they're, that they're going to run off and be besties against Dre's will. Like Dre has never consented to being her friend in any way. Nope. And Haley's like, oh, now that we're best friends, we can be the Black Thelma and Louise, which was <laughs> one of the best lines <laughs> in the whole show. <laughs> and just and Haley's baby hairs, and you know, and congrats to Paris Jackson because yes. that was a role, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> so so much and the first time watching it i didn't know that that was paris jackson i didn't know that was michael jackson's daughter so she's like yeah i'm half black i was like are you to me it was like she was i guess a good sport for for being in that role at all but then Mm -hmm. for saying those lines where she's like well my dad's half black so yeah i'm black Well, like, and I guess, okay. and I've I've read things that I guess in interviews she has said that her dad would always tell her, "You're black. It's part of who you are. Don't let anyone take that away from you." And it's like, okay, that's between her and her dad. I don't have an opinion on that or whatever. Right. But I right. absolutely agree. It's it's definitely a sign of a good sport on any actor's part to come into a role and say and do ridiculous things. Yes, <laughs> especially things that like poke fun at things that have been said about you online, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Love so it. So it was just like, oh, and that's why she chose the stage name Halsey. Yeah. <laughs> because Halsey also has like black heritage. Yeah. Just absolute beautiful <laughs> casting. And the, the the dialogue was, oh my God. And okay. One of the specific things that I had wanted to point out that I forgot to mention yeah. is <laughs> after um, after Dre kills um, Haley's boyfriend and she goes out in the backyard and she goes to bury him and then Haley comes out and she's like, you think that she's going to be upset and then she starts kicking the boyfriend and everything. And then she goes into like this very hyper excited state where she's like, I made a sandwiches. We're going to go. We're going to be the Black Thumb and Louise. I can't wait for this to happen for us. And then Dre's just calmly 
you know, rummaging in the bag for the gun. And then just like, as she's still talking, just shoots her in the face. And I'm sorry, but that was hilarious. Like, was. that's one of those moments of absolute hilarity on the show where I was like, this was brilliant. And then to follow it up, you know, for Dre to follow that up with, hey, Siri, who's Halsey? Right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was amazing. It was such a good scene. It such was. a good scene. And, but you yeah, know, like, it's like, yeah, the death of Haley, I was like, I understand <laughs> that. She was annoying. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think that, that it's very purposeful that the, the deaths of the white people in the show were they have like a comedy element to them and they have like a, a a thing of like where you're relieved that they're off your screen now it's like okay <laughs> we're done with you thank you yeah. <laughs> but with people like reggie who mm-hmm. was the, the one that the that was killed um with the strippers mm-hmm. where you i felt bad for reggie because he seemed like yeah he's an online troll and everything like that but other than that he's harmless and he's super kind and helpful he helped them off the road he didn't try to do anything to them really you know he Mm -hmm. was just sweet and helpful and you have that picture of him with his kid so i like the idea of painting these white women as caricatures Mm -hmm. and annoying obstacles and having the black people killed on the show humanized and painted as three-dimensional people Mm -hmm. so because it's a stark contrast to how much of of entertainment uh portrays and depicts black people mm-hmm. so that was very kudos to you yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely and it's like you know when you talk about humanizing some of these you know a bit more like the side characters you know the ones for the you know the victims basically in uh because it's like episode three is when she hooks up with the uh crew cachet guy the yeah um food the the diet guy or whatever i i really liked that guy and i'm gonna think that he did not die um because even though he was locked in the cooler with the cake and that's temptation and like that episode has got to be the funniest episode there's just a lot of silliness through it oh my god yes i and and just even that look on his face where he realizes he's trapped in a cooler (laughs) with a cake and he's you know he's weak or whatever I liked, but I like to think that he didn't die and that Same. he was saved because the cake was there and eventually someone's going to have to come down for it, whether he yeah. ate it or not. But he was, you know, he kind of tells his story. He was obese and he has worked really, really, really hard. And, you know, he comes across as maybe a little nerdy too. And then there's like that really fun, awkward interaction with his Asian coworker. She's yes. Like, no, we're not. We're going to that thing. <laughs> I loved it. This is like the funniest episode. Oh, and then there's also the moment where she was going to kill the MAGA lady at the gym mm, with mm-hmm. the kettlebell in the elevator. Like, Deirdre, I know you're sloppy <laughs> as hell. And then she sees the the crew guy, the cachet worker, and she just drops the kettlebell <laughs> in the elevator. And falls. It was so funny. Like the way that she drops <laughs> and walks out. <laughs> but I did like... But I did like how they made uh, that that guy so they gave him a story and mm-hmm. something where you're like, you know, good on you. Good for you. And so you feel bad when he almost dies because he didn't die. Right. 
he's not dead <laughs> he's not dead <laughs> he is he is back to coping with his eating habits and that's okay mm-hmm. <laughs> people have have you know setbacks sometimes they happen on your own sometimes it's when a girl breaks into your apartment to steal your working pass <laughs> no shame no he is he's okay but yeah. another hilarious moment in that episode that gets me every time is when um that the the bald gym guy mm-hmm. when she's at the front desk and yeah. she's being told she can't come in and and he goes is this lady being racist to you and drake yeah. kind of like looks off to the side <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it kills me it's so funny and that guy adam goldenberg is um he's on tiktok and and uh instagram and he and jake jones have a comedy skit called mean gays oh that sounds oh my fun God. it's so funny they have all of these skits where where they're just um saying these passive aggressive things to you and like these backhanded compliments oh it is so funny so this was kind of a similar vein to that mm-hmm. and it just delighted me to see it Mm-hmm. but I just that moment that... where she turns her head oh mm-hmm. and what i what i liked about kind of that moment with that character showing up is that first you just think like oh it's a stranger just helping you know rescue it's like you know when a woman goes to another right. woman it's like oh hey you know to save her or whatever because something sketchy's going on but he legit thought she was someone else <laughs> yes <laughs> They get into the gym area and it's not like, (laughs) so how, so who are you? And are you looking for, it's like, hey, so blah, 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 just going on like, like, now who's being the racist? You still the crystals and braiding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but but the the show does that several times with things like that, where where it takes something where you think something's going to happen and there is a, like a racist trope underlying it. Mm-hmm. And then it doubles back to it in a mm-hmm. clever, brilliant way. And again, this is just like the brilliance of the writing of this group that yes. just delivers time after time. Absolutely. This is this is a brilliant, brilliant fucking show. Should win all the awards. Everyone involved should be absolutely thrilled, proud, and ecstatic for what they gave us because... You know, you hear people whining online. There's nothing new and original. Um, are you sure? Right. About that? <laughs> like, uh, where are you tr- looking for these new and original things? Because we found them. Hey, exactly. listen to my streaming bubble for more recommendations of really right. cool and original things. Yeah. What she said. What Carly said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's get to. I'm sure there's still plenty, plenty more, and I'm sure maybe we'll circle back, but let's get to the ending because yes, yeah. So wow. So by the end of the end of the season, by that last episode, oops, I'm gonna hit my microphone because of course, <laughs> uh, Dre is living in Atlanta as Tony, and she falls for a falls for a woman, Rashida. Very nice, very pretty. But right away, Rashida's like, I don't like Nija. I don't. So Dre just didn't hear that. Just right. doesn't even fucking care. Because why would you continue to pursue someone that doesn't like Nija? You're, you're one true above all else. Like the person you're literally murdering for. Right. And now all of a sudden, like, what you think? <laughs> Is this a classic case of like, I can change her? Uh- <laughs> 
That's you know all what? I'm yeah. <laughs> it's like the like, weirdest <laughs> I can change you of any kind. Like it, it's not, you know, I can make you a better person. I can make you more organized. I can make you stop being a serial cheater. It's like, no, I can make mm -hmm. you like my favorite artist. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with Rashida, like, I'm sorry, Tony's a bum. Yeah, most of these like you. three cars in a month is not a red flag. Hello, right? <laughs> no phone isn't a red flag. Hello, so you know I, I don't like to victim blame even with my fictional characters. But mm -hmm. Rashida, what the fuck? I know. <laughs> I'm trying to just spit out my tea because I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> so, uh, Tony gets. Nyjah tickets for Rashida and Rashida that sets her off and she's like fucking hate Nyjah you never listen to me I'd rather go see her sister <laughs> yeah oh my god that was cold that, yeah, was, that cold. was because Dre absolutely took all of that personally uh-huh and all of that and I will say that I do think Dre somewhere deep down deep underneath all that cuckoo-ness I think Dre did actually care about Rashida yeah because she did not kill Rashida in her typical mo of bashing her head in and she was sad about it for a minute and you know she's like I wanted to share this with you and I think a lot of people in relationships want to share their interests want to find someone to share their interests with when that doesn't happen it's you know part, go your separate ways don't strangle them right cry on their body and then it was oh so weird God. that that she did the funeral the 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 funeral pyre thing and burned her yeah also did that actually happen because where the hell are you gonna burn a body and not attract any attention right because i mean <laughs> they're they're in atlanta it's not like they're out in the boonies somewhere exactly so where are you going to find a place to burn a human body and not have people be like you know what? Something is smelling burny and a slightly bit human. What is going mm -hmm. on? Hmm. But yeah, like like you said, did it actually happen? Or at least that it actually happened the way that she remembers it or that she is seeing all of this. At what point between the killing, like the fight that they had and the end, does she dissociate which parts of what she's telling visually are accurate? You know, does she actually even kill Rashida? Does she, if she does kill Rashida, does she actually burn the body with the tickets in her pocket? Does she actually then go to the concert? Like, there are a lot of like, is this actually happening? Mm -hmm. Because we know for a fact, the one thing that we know for a fact is that she does not see Marissa's face on Nyjah's body. Right. Because that, that, that is like, if nothing else can be factually substantiated, we know absolutely, truly, she does not see Marissa's face on Nyjah's body. You know, whether you are willing to argue that Nyjah does indeed take her into her bosom and let her cry on her boob as they are leaving <laughs> this concert on which she just let this total stranger onto the stage to say... I love you all. If you believe that all of that's true, you cannot tell me that that somehow Nigel's face became Marissa's face. And also, I love that they didn't even try to do good CGI because I know. yes, because that only highlights 
how much of a delusion it is. Mm-hmm. If it they had so creepy, it, yes, yes, just, and I it, love that. Yes, it adds to that unsettling feeling of this entire series. So, okay, so going back a little bit with uh, your question of when did she dissociate? Did she actually burn uh, Rashida's body? Because when valid questions because when she's burning Rashida's body Dre's dressed in like white yeah rags but like very flowy kind of things loose fitting things very not Dre things it it looks like like a ceremonial yes robe of some sort yes and so that's not Dre unless that's Dre's you know other personality or whatever that did that so well, now could i be. wonder yeah so now i wonder but still where do you burn a body like that now they give us no reason to think this but what if she actually just burnt the building down right <laughs> or just burnt the, I mean, you know set the apartment on fire right seriously or or even as she has done before apparently like bury the body yeah I like that we don't actually see her getting rid of the bodies per se. Yeah. We were just left to assume that she does, but at the same time, like, like she doesn't always. Right? Yeah, because exactly. during the crime I, I doc episode. Yeah. Because during the crime doc episode, they talk about, you know, some of these different murders that fit that MO and how uh, Detective Green's kind of putting it all together and kind of honing in on Andre. So there's because the detective knows that Haley and her boyfriend are missing, mm-hmm. but there's there's other bodies elsewhere. So it's like, how much cleanup did she really do? <laughs> right, because with that with that one guy with the with the fantastic pantry, may mm-hmm. he rest in peace. Um, mm-hmm. I, I that that is <sighs> true loss to humanity. Somebody who can organize a pantry <laughs> like that, but. I just can't get over it, okay? I'm a suburban mom with no storage space. I am in love with that pantry. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't get over it. <laughs> but when, after she kills him, we all we see is her dragging him off screen and she cleans up the blood. Mm-hmm. So at least in that, she seems to do cleanup. How real it actually is, is debatable. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, she's a small woman. You know, and mm-hmm. yes, she is strong enough to overpower these people who are so much bigger than her. But like, it's a huge difference to go from the way that she killed H- Haley's boyfriend, where there, you know, there's like smoke of some kind involved, and she's wearing a mm-hmm. mask that's very methodical, and she has like all of this like gear mm-hmm. that she's using, very methodical and thought out. Yeah. To then a very sloppy murder, and then they get sloppier as yes. she goes. And now I've watched enough Criminal Minds, and I know that I'm an expert in this. <laughs> and um, when I say that, that as serial killers go, sometimes, especially after a triggering event, they get sloppier. Mm-hmm. Again, I have many seasons of Criminal Minds under my belt, and that is my my badge of expertise. Um. So it's not completely unthinkable to say that she got sloppier because it's just how things go. Mm-hmm. But that's a huge devolution super fast. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Like that's a like you said, she gets sloppier because, you know, in that last episode, she's trying to get the tickets, you know, um, from some scalper that goes back to his car and just stabs him up and leaves him there. Like, I'm pretty sure that did actually happen. Yeah. If we're thinking that she did actually make it to the concert, because I think that's another point of debate. Did she actually make it to the concert? Right. Was she stopped? Because like one theory could be like at some point, maybe after she kills Rashida, shortly after maybe then she's caught, right? If the Mm -hmm. documentary episode was like a real quote documentary of following these murders, we know that the cops are getting really close and they're honing in on her. So during the second watch, I couldn't help but wonder how much of the concert stuff was real from going down to trying to get tickets to getting there, obviously getting up on the stage and then all the other cuckoo-ness that falls behind. Like, what if that was uh, a dying dream? Maybe she was attacked, shot or something, you know, something didn't play out the way she was hoping to. So now in her mind, she's rewriting the story before she dies. Right. And my, my thought is, okay, so here's what I'm thinking yes. is that when detective green is doing her happy dance outside of her car saying that mm-hmm. they, that they've caught her, that she hopes she can get there before she makes bail, which by the way, how is she going to make bail? Can't imagine oh, anybody paying her bail cannot imagine a single human being doing that and and detective green did say that probably the only way she'll catch her is at a nyjah concert right exactly so then that ends up panning out beautifully and very quickly so my thinking is that when detective green says it is after this concert thing has happened when she's already stabbed somebody to get tickets and all of that so like this episode six should actually be episode seven if we're thinking strictly linear but i think that it's done that way on purpose because this is dre recalling things so dre is having this this show playing out of her mind of documentary where people really care about her her whereabouts and are concerned for her and all of that and then we're told the story of where she is because of something that she did so i think that chronologically six takes place in her mind after she's been arrested okay and that's her way of like dissociatively coping with her arrest but again all of the speculation and theory i love my speculation and theories you know that Mm-hmm. Um, if you've heard me on this podcast or any other podcast, I like to throw out wild theories. That is my jam. <laughs> that You're so is good at it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I do enjoy them a lot. But yeah, I I really think that that it's more probable that she stabs um ticket guy, gets arrested, then mm-hmm. goes to jail, but imagines herself getting to standing room right in front of nausea mm-hmm. of Nija. like like how would that happen first of all what kind of scalper would have a valid tickets and be even if they were valid that good right no shit like especially by that point of the concert those tickets would be gone oh yeah oh yeah i uh i like that because i feel like 
after after she stabs ticket guy you know she goes in and everything i feel like maybe her moment so we see you know after she's on stage and she's like i love you guys and then her and Nija are leaving and Nija's holding on to her and everything that can almost be like what was actually going on was dre being escorted out by the cops yes and then put into the back of the uh police vehicle she's still hallucinating Mm -hmm. Nigel with Riz's face. Oh, it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> it was so creepy. <laughs> it was so Which creepy. is perfect. It was, it was so absolutely perfect. perfect. The first time I watched it, I'm like, I'm like, what is wrong with her face? What is happening? I don't like, oh, like it. I was like, oh this shit. Show, this is such a bad job with the lighting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A great time to drop the ball is in the finale. <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> Oh, but it was, yeah, that's, I, I love, I love just really like open-ended, don't know for sure, like you said, unreliable narrator. Because then again, now I'm thinking back to the Crime Doc episode where uh, Marissa's mom expresses guilt. Mm -hmm. I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. Right. <gasps> that's Would true. she have really have said that? Because like we saw when her, like, and granted this is, at least a year or so out now because uh the the dad harris has since passed away and everything and she is the mom is she's got more grays and everything so she's a little older than when we originally saw her good possibility that sure after time she does feel some regret some shame mm -hmm. because you could look at it as like a domino effect right really mm -hmm. with the moment of like maybe from accepting bringing Dre into the house to even the moment they kicked her out all kind of led up to this moment so in on one hand it's kind of understandable but on the other hand it's like is it really though right exactly because like and i had forgotten about that but now that you pointed out absolutely it is kind of odd that after all of this is when she's ashamed and when she feels any kind of sorrow or regret mm -hmm. because yeah yeah like why in that specific moment why is she breaking down on camera and it, it's just a lot mm -hmm. to accept as reality mm -hmm. that that only supports the theory so i like it yep and i had one more point about that from that i jotted down while we were talking so we see in the we see like teen dre with marissa photos they're both smiling not a mm -hmm. single photo of creepy weird stare on young right. Dre's face. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so she was a happy teenager. Was it Marissa that made her happy like that? Or is this again, just a, a twisted memory or just made up where Dre thinks she had a happy childhood with Marissa and maybe mm -hmm. she did. I don't know. Exactly. And that's what is what's so great about the show is that you can interpret it however however works best for what you have in mind. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I think, yeah, absolutely. She would have been giddy as hell standing next to Marissa anytime. Mm -hmm. You know, like um the the picture where she's tucked away where the the dad is like he has his arm around her. And Marissa is there and they're both so happy. Those memories of the, the pictures where 
you know, uh, Dre looks like just a regular happy teenager who's not about to stab somebody. Mm-hmm. Just it, it, it all fits in with this idea of like my happy times were with Marissa in this house. Mm-hmm. And then again, going back to the episode where she breaks into the Jackson home and just acts like, oh, I know where everything is. I feel so relieved to be home. It it, it just kind of all supports that. But mm-hmm. yeah, like, um, and now that I'm thinking about it too, it, it could be that she thinks that she stabs the ticket guy, but you know, does he actually get stabbed? Does somebody call? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But it reminds me of American Psycho. And I don't know if you've watched American mm-hmm. Psycho. Okay. Oh, yeah. So that's another movie with an unreliable narrator where mm-hmm. you're not sure which crimes he actually commits, which ones are all in his head. But it's all, it's just like there for you to take in and to make of it what you will. And I personally love that this is also up in the air because mm-hmm. it does make you wonder about a lot of things and every time that you watch you can come to a new conclusion and i that's the kind of art that i enjoy where Absolutely. it's not all spelled out for you yeah oh i love that that's 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 good fucking writing so yes Okay, well, I think we're going to go ahead and start moving toward the stray bubbles. So this is the last chance to bring up notes, fun facts, final rants, raves. Carla, you got anything left? I'm sure you, I feel like we we probably do, but like we're we have the time so so much. But okay, so fun fact: Malia Obama helped write the episode about the phone being shut off. I know the face that you're making is the face that I made when I found no. out. Yeah, she was a writer on the show. Oh, like what? I know. Awesome. I, what a I was show. so shocked. Right? <laughs> like, what? Malia Obama was in the writing staff? Good God. Was she, does she have Secret Service detail? I want to know no, that. Should. That's what I want right? to know. <laughs> did, Circus, did Secret Service uh, contribute anything to the story? <laughs> <laughs> um, another one. The question, how does she get away with so much? Well, mm-hmm. most of the victims were Black. She's a Black woman. People don't pay attention to Black people unless it suits uh, the narrative of black people being worthless so when it comes to victims especially how often do you hear about black victims as opposed to white victims of violent crime so there's your answer on that um i think dre was so gullible with the cult because she's vulnerable and she thought that she might find some sisterhood so she really wanted to feel like she was in a family, so she got that for a moment, and then she was like, oh, hey, wait a second. This is not going the way that I was told that it would go. Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, mowed her way out of there, as she does. <laughs> um, I, I like the commentary that it makes on toxic fandom and yes. how people can become incredibly obsessed with the people that they uh, project all of these feelings onto who did not ask for for that they are just human beings doing their job, going about their their day. They happen to be famous, but you don't own them. And what they do in their personal lives is their business. There's no reason why anybody should be uh, so deeply involved or speculating on people's personal lives, no matter how 
uh, famous they are. And it's not this whole thing of like, well, you know, they're, they're famous. They chose to be in the public eye. They chose for their work to be in the public eye. They That's did not right. choose to be followed by paparazzi and to be tweeted about, about having their relationships and um, love life scrutinized and their sexuality and their gender identity. None of that is up for grabs unless they personally put it out there on purpose for it to be found. Mm-hmm. Um uh the the thing one of the your notes was uh talking crap online but this time with a consequence and doxing haters yes because most of the time people can just say whatever the hell they want Mm -hmm. thinking that there's no consequence but there's a human being receiving all of that hate and it you know no matter what people say like oh you know like people will just say so they need to just brush it off they need to be mature i hate the the idea that oh these artists need to be grown-ups and just brush it off that is not how being a human works somebody says crap about you it can undermine a whole tide of compliments unfortunately for some inexplicable reason that's how a lot of us are wired that you can receive like five hundred thousand compliments and then one scathing mm-hmm. critique and that's the one that you cling on to so you know if you're not being constructive and helpful and you're um takedowns or whatever then maybe just shut up because mm-hmm. that doesn't help anybody unless you're jerry padalecki in which case he could just not the, not the point <laughs> not the point um <laughs> anyway oh, that was um, beautifully done just beautifully put it snuck in there i love it <laughs> just slip that in there um doxing is never okay just what what the hell is with with people and constantly trying to dox people that they don't like you don't like them okay great now move on with your life you know most of the time these things are not that serious you know just you as a person reading something oh oh no this person doesn't like my favorite artist okay so scroll past that comment you don't need to respond to everything that somebody says about something that you don't like that is just you know like you're telling all these artists to grow up well how about you grow up Mm-hmm. And um, the idea of there being a second season, hell no. Leave it as brilliant and and just this limited series exactly as it is. We don't need more because I think it will just muddy the waters of this beautiful, complicated uh, soup of je ne sais quoi in the very literal sense of like, I don't know what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Lovely. That's like I had those other things on the on the you know the uh, delusional dangerous fans like when fandoms cross the line and the shit talking then we didn't really get to any of it. <laughs> <laughs> the characters were just like wow man like oh my god, um, but yeah I do like how this show it that's really what it's talking about is this when fans cross the line, Dre is obviously in like an amalgamation of like every aspect of a dangerous obsessive fan and i think that if you watched it and you're like you know obviously like if you're not okay with any of the things dre did then you should also be not okay with any of the stuff that happens in real life to realize from the you know taylor swift stalkers whoever stalkers and and beyond you know people like to make jokes and then again that goes into the whole talking shit online with no consequences the thing that I found kind of interesting about when Dre was taking out some of these Twitter folks is they have no idea who she's talking about. So they are just trolls 
spitting hate for engagement's sake, all these hot takes and unpopular opinions just to get recognized, just to get noticed. And it's like, again, you're not, these people aren't seeing the consequences that their words have and how they affect people, especially people that are not connected to reality. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then the way that Dre uses the swarm to dox these people and they're all for it, right? Yes. Because these people are talking shit about their queen. So they're like, here's this person, here's that person. Oh, spotted here. And during the crime doc episode, we meet a couple of uh, the fans, part of the swarm. And the one guy was just like, no, they wouldn't. No, not murder. But then pauses. No. no. And seems like less and less sure about that answer. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that that was a really pretty like on the nose commentary about that kind of behavior. But it's just people still do it. We still see yes. these fandoms, you know, these more of the extremists pulling shit like that. Uh, yeah, not okay. But a couple of the other things that I had just jotted down real quick. Let me see if I can find them. So in episode five, when uh, Dre goes to the cell phone store to try and get her phone turned back on, I just want to give a shout out to Kenny and we need more people like Kenny yes, I love in Kenny. customer service. He was trying so hard to be helpful and understanding. And he's like, family drama, I get that. And just trying to be so kind about it. And then I love when he's like, uh, this is starting to feel sketchy. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love, I mean, just more people like Kenny in customer service in general. Um, just too sweet. And so you make mention about how did Dre get, a, get away with this and, you know, her victims are all black people. I thought that was interesting because in the crime doc episode, the detective is talking about how the other cops wouldn't listen to her when she suggested that it's a, it's a black female committing these murders. And my note was something like, uh, they hate black women so much that they won't listen to a black woman, even when she's eyeballing another black woman. And then it's the whole like falling through the cracks, you know, is the name of yes. the documentary and everything. I just, during the second watch, that part really kind of stood out to me where obviously I had to write something down. And I'm like, they just, they can't let black women have any bit of shine. Right. right. She's, she's here based on her experience, her knowledge of being a black woman and everything. She's like, I think this is a sister we're dealing with, you know, between the snacks. She's like, I've never seen a white person. Red <laughs> Sorry. And that, that got me. That was hilarious. That was so, so funny. <laughs> And, and and in that moment, I felt like it was also having a little fun with stereotypes, nothing hurtful or, or demeaning or anything, but just, I don't know. I'm thinking like, how many white people do I know that I've ever seen eat red hot Cheetos? Not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. So and the thing with the bonnet is like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like I know that, that bonnets are recently being co-opted by white people to like keep their, their hair glossy and shiny overnight, but it's it's black women who really brought that invention into the fore because it, it's for a very specific purpose, but yeah, you know, it, it, and I think that, that that victim was 
was older. So I think that was also part of it. It's like you don't really see mm-hmm. older black people eating hot Cheetos and definitely not because there were there were hair creams there. Yes. That like <laughs> why why would Stacy need that? <laughs> and then also in that episode when they're talking about and they're showing these different tweets and they've got like the celebrity name blurred out. I couldn't find anything online, but I really wonder if those were actual tweets about Beyonce or any other super powerful, famous female celebrity. Right. Uh, I mean, I suppose it would, for this instance, it's got to be Beyonce. But <laughs> were these are these actual tweets people have put out into the Twitterverse? At this point, especially, I would not put it past Donald Glover or the writers or any any member of the creative team to include that because at the end of that episode we see Donald Glover as Donald Glover talking yeah. about writing a show starring Dominique Fishback. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I love those those little um tie-ins and the the tweets mm-hmm. even if they're not like real I feel like they were pulled at least mostly word for word from because i've seen tweets like that Mm -hmm. what is wrong with you people Mm -hmm. all right well that's it for my stray bubbles i think i did a kind of a quick overview or some of those last few points but oh this has been a fantastic conversation i have absolutely loved it thank you for blowing my mind not once but twice and putting out (laughs) theories that are canon because we say so We have decided it it has been spoken. Yes. So, all right, we're going to go ahead and move right into our Midwest goodbye. The beginning of the end, we'll spend the next 40 minutes, not really, (laughs) wrapping this up and closing it out. So we'll start with the six degrees of Nicolas Cage swarm edition. So it's where we get to Nick Cage in six steps or less. Why? Because I love the man. He's amazing and everyone should. And it's just fun. So, (laughs) Carla, how'd you do? Well, First of all, I used um, Danson Idris, who plays Khalid, and he was in The Commuter with Elizabeth McGovern, who was in Kick Butt with Nicolas Cage. Nice. Very good. So I have two because I wasn't sure if the first one would actually count. So the first one I have is Heather Alicia Sims. Uh, She was in Luke Cage, the Marvel series Luke Cage. And Luke Cage is the comic book character that inspired Nick's last name. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. I think that Um, counts. I thought that counts too. But just in case it didn't, Donald Glover was in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with Shameik Moore, who voices Miles, who obviously did the voice of Miles Morales uh, in Into the Spider-Verse with Nicolas Cage's Spider-Noir. Bam. Love it. <laughs> Claps all around. All right. Woo-hoo. And <laughs> Carla, what has been streaming in your bubble? Well, I recently um, fell down the autobiography audiobook rabbit hole. Ooh. And I, I've been doing this through the, through the Libby app, which works Attica. with your library card. So for anybody out there who is thirsty for audiobooks, um, this is a great way to access them and support your library, and it's also free. So mm-hmm. get your library card, download the Libby app, and become obsessed with trash just like me. So <laughs> yes. uh, 
the one that I'm currently um, audio reading is the book by Casey Wilson. And, and you know what? It has a title. So let me just. <laughs> and I do want to say too that Libby also has, you know, ebooks and magazines. So yes. you can download and basically, like, I think subscribe to the magazine, the e-magazines they have available. So it's a great system. I am in love really with is. it. I've I've listened to so many audiobooks recently through Libby. Same. So the one that I'm currently reading is called "The Wreckage of My Presence" by Casey Wilson. Casey Wilson is hilarious. She was in Happy Endings and in Black Monday, um, I, I, and she is even more endearing in her book she is more like penny than you might imagine Aww, um, I love that. I, yeah I, I i love this I, i'm enjoying this book i'm at 97 percent. so the next person in line at the broward county library and waiting for this book <laughs> will have it very shortly um so there's that and i've also uh been watching black mirror with which i have fallen in love I am yes. desperate about it. I want to start a podcast talking about each episode. Because... I would love to be on that pod. Like my brother and I have already covered uh, all the first like five seasons in the movie. And now we have plans to do season six later Ooh. to record on season six later this month. So I love if you Black need Mirror. a guest. I, you know, <laughs> or if you want, if you and I just want to sit and maybe go episode by episode because I can do that. Except yes. Not the first one. I don't want to watch some dude fuck a pig. <laughs> do it. Oh my god, that one was a lot. That one was a lot. Out of all but... of them, that's the one I'm just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that one was a lot. But yes, I let me like brew that in my mind because I I would love to do a podcast dedicated to just Black Mirror episodes yes. because they're each like a movie in their own. And they each, I mean, there's an inter interconnected theme of of the future of technology as it pertains to the human existence and the human experience, but each thing is so different from one to the other. And I, I think, I, I think we might end up doing this at some point because I, I need to talk about it. Oh my god! And I, I love rewatching Black Mirror, so I will. <laughs> any excuse to rewatch it? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Awesome. I look forward okay. to our, our eventual collaboration about it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Anything else you've been watching or reading or that pretty much uh, cover it? Well, that that's mostly it. But um, my son has been he he is into podcasts. He loves all of these kid podcasts, and I really enjoy listening to them with him in the car. Um, he loves his favorites are I think. Um, wow in the world Ben Caspian and god what is the other one um brains on okay. brains on they're they're they have a lot of educational components to them but they are just generally a lot of fun to listen to so if you have a child and you want to enjoy some quality time with them or if you have a long road trip ahead of you you want to download a bunch of Cool episodes that you can share because you will be just as interested as they will and just if you're you know if you're driving them home from school and they don't want to tell you how their day was like certain people that you ask how was your day and they're like it's okay what did you do okay. i don't remember <laughs> okay cool cool i want to listen to a podcast episode yep. <laughs> so there you go parenting help with carla oh i love it 
I'm, you know, I, <laughs> it's hard for me to find like kid friendly podcasts because of, you know, the algorithms and everything. Like they just don't pop up for me. Right. <laughs> like I do have to like actively search them, but, uh, so it's always nice to get some, some recommendations there for our road trips and everything. So thank you, Carla. You're welcome. I'm happy to help. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's see. So one thing that, I mean, I've been doing some rewatches. I'm, uh, Rewatching Only Murders in the Building, Abbott Elementary, uh, gear, gearing up for the next season, which comes out this month based on when this episode comes out. Um, so, but the new thing that uh, my husband and I watched over New Year's Eve that neither of us had seen was the first two John Wick movies. <gasps> and I know people are like, how have you never seen those? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> And, and it's not like I was like, I'm not watching John Wick movies. I just, I just hadn't like, I'm like, well, I like Keanu Reeves and I like violent action movies. So this is, <laughs> I don't know why I wasn't more like in a rush to see them. So we watched the, the first one, the first two on New Year's Eve. Cause my husband's like, I'm not watching a horror movie. I was like, you'd really like better watch out. <laughs> like I had just watched it and was like obsessed with it. And he's like, I'm not watching a horror movie. It's like, fine. So we're getting into John Wick and I was like, oh my God, this movie's fucking delightful. <laughs> it's got I've only gotten to watch half of it, but I loved it. Oh my God. It's so no spoilers, but it's, you know, it's got like the gun violence and the stylized shootouts and everything. And so we're really enjoying that. But then it also has the body count for me and, you know, fun, <laughs> almost like comic book level kind of violence with like the blood shooting and the <laughs> Oh my and god. And everything. I'm just like, I was like, Wee! <laughs> my husband's like, you're ridiculous. I was like, these are awesome. <laughs> I told my coworker and I was like, they're delightful. And she's like, oh my God. <laughs> Your coworker just doesn't get it. She doesn't know what's good. I'm assuming oh. gender. They don't get it. They don't know what's good. Sure. Well, I mean, I do work in a library and libraries are staffed by like 98% women. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it's almost a fair assumption. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, we still have to watch the third one and the fourth one. I don't even know how many there are at this point, but I, uh, I, I look forward to when we get time again to sit down and, and kind of finish out that, that little franchise because I just, <laughs> that's a good time <laughs> oh my goodness all right well that's it we did it we got through it wow i know <laughs> so i want to thank you again carla for joining me today and getting all buzzy buzzy about this show swarm <laughs> and thank you for the theories and the mind blowing and oh this is i mean this is it's like one of the top reasons why I love having these conversations with you and having you on the show because the the trading of the theories, the trading of the blowing yes. of the minds, it's I love it because now I feel like, yes, I can absolutely rewatch it and have like another set of eyes kind of thing, different, yeah. different perspective, keeping certain things in mind. It It's like rewatching an old show, but making it kind of new again. Yes. I love and it. Mm -hmm. By the way, I, that's what I also enjoy about our conversations. Like you have such cool insight and you bring a perspective to things that I just would never have even thought about. And 
I, I just, I really enjoy chatting with you. So thank you for having me on again, for tolerating me yet again. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. So, um, but I want to make sure everyone knows that you have a podcast with your bestie Meg and the uh, Bedwetter Behead podcast. And you want to let us know where you can be found and all of that good stuff? Well, yes, I do. Yes, you can find Bedwetter Behead wherever you get your artisanal, handmade, uh, individual batch, um, curated podcasts. Um, <laughs> we have social media, whether or not we use it as our business, but you should probably follow us regardless. Um, we are on on Twitter at Bed Wet Behead Pod, on TikTok at Bed Wet or Behead Pod. <laughs> You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> and this is in the morning with no alcohol. So <laughs> just imagine how fun I am after a, a glass of wine or maybe five. <laughs> um, on Instagram, we are at bed.wet.behead.pod. You can also find me, my art, and my musings on TikTok and Instagram at Carla Temis or my website, carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S.com. And I make frequent appearances on It's a Fandom Thing hosted by Aaron Marlowe, where I have just as many opinions and theories. So check me out there as well. Awesome. Absolutely. And yes, uh, It's a Fandom Thing podcast is amazing. Also, been a frequent guest. And when the three of us are together, yes. me and Aaron, we are the Wild Women of Wild Podcasting. Wild Women of Podcasting. Woo! So we're going to have to do a reunion tour this this year. <laughs> yes. Because we are so much fun. We, we've we done live streams. We, we did live streams about Dexter when mm -hmm. the new season was on a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't uh, gone and watched those, you should, because we're just a great time. Oh, my gosh. We're a, we are a hoot and a nanny. <laughs> uh <laughs> so and of course, I want to thank all of my lovely bubblies for listening today and joining me. And sorry for the break, but hopefully it gave you all a chance to get caught up on the 150 plus episodes that are available. And I look forward to upcoming episodes. I've got oh, since they since Netflix hates its fans and they canceled Shadow and Bone. Laura and I will be getting together and she is going to fill me in on all the book spoilers uh, since I can't find just an audiobook version of The Six of Crows. I can get it on disc, which is fine, but I don't have a discman anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not 1992. I know. <laughs> so uh, looking forward to that one. And then Eric and I will be doing part two of season four, Doom Patrol. So lots of good stuff coming up looking forward to it can't wait so make sure you are following me on the socials uh, twitter at streaming bubble wait is that right at streaming <laughs> bubble <laughs> no mind that facebook instagram and threads as my streaming bubble and you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast fix so make sure you rate share review with your friends family and mail carrier so until then Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me and keep streaming. Bye. <laughs>